Good morning. For purposes of simplicity and to make things easier on me, I've now combined three of my earlier podcasts. They were all short, the three of them, into one. And I'm just calling this musings on different topics. So this is my first combo of a couple of my older original podcasts. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Wilkinson, and this is my first podcast. When I tell my friends that I'm doing a podcast, they say, what's it going to be about and why are you doing that? So I'll attempt to answer some of those questions right off the bat here. Right now, I live in Palm Springs, California. My life has changed drastically, particularly the last five years, but I'd say over the last 20 years, uh, there's a lot of change going on. I spent my early part of my life in New York. I was born in Buffalo, moved to New York City to go to a Christian college to study for the ministry uh, in like the mid-70s. And I was married at the time. I did not pursue my theological degree. I decided I was not the type to be standing in front of a pulpit. I'm more a one-on-one guy. And so I changed my studies to um, English Lit and got an English Lit lit degree. I worked there for a few years at a conference center outside the city, and then uh, my ex-wife and I and our two kids at that time moved to Seattle, the Seattle area, uh, where we spent many decades. I, even though I wasn't the pastor of a church, I spent many, many years, decades, uh, working in churches, starting churches, being on boards of churches, et cetera, et cetera. Toward the end of my time up there as a straight, quote unquote, straight man, married man, I was the men's minister in a big church uh, in Seattle. My wife and I, ex-wife and I, didn't have a particularly great marriage, and it wasn't a, a happy beginning to it, frankly. We got married in college. I slept with her on the rebound from a breakup with another gal who happened to be her best friend, one of her best friends. And uh, my ex-wife got pregnant. And because we're in the church, we eloped and got married. And that was our happy beginning. It was a tough marriage for a long time. Toward the end, it it was so difficult over all those years. I'd say in the latter part of the 90s, I was at the at a point because I was trapped in my Christian beliefs, my religious beliefs, and I was going to commit suicide. I was a couple hours away from doing that. And I said to myself before I, it occurred, obviously, if there is a God, he can't want me to do this. And so I stopped. Over the next couple of years, things went downhill more, and we were legally separated in in 98, and then the divorce was final in 99. In late 99, I went to Europe with two friends. I found myself in France. One of the quote-unquote friends I went with turned out to be an obnoxious American tourist, and I wouldn't have any of that. He was going to wreck my vacation. And so I told those two to go on their way. That left me alone in Europe for almost three weeks, at which time I looked at my life starting in the beginning, and I looked all through my behaviors and my thoughts and uh, everything regarding my sexuality, and I said to myself, duh, you're gay. And I was. I am. So I came home, read a couple books on coming out, and within, I don't know, I'd say it brought me to about mid-December when I came out to the re- my remaining friends and my family. 
Uh, my friends call it a scorched earth policy. I, For example, I came out to my oldest son and his wife at noon, my middle son at four, ex-wife at five, youngest son at six, and my brother and three sisters on the East Coast via phone, end of day one coming out. So that was my scorched earth policy of coming out. From that point on, my life started changing. I've had three partners since then and a guy that I was with uh, during the beginning part of COVID, which didn't uh, work out. But that brings me to today. And why am I, why am I doing this? Well, when I was back in the ministry stuff, you could say I had a knowing or God spoke to me or whatever. But when I was thinking I wanted to be in the ministry, I heard a very distinct voice say to me, you'll have something to say later on. And I thought I'd be in my 60s, 70s. And uh, here I am today, and I think I do have something to say. I have something to share with people. And that that's my main motivation for doing the podcast. I've had a very interesting life. I'll, t- I'll talk about some of those things, but I've had international travelers, over 650 of them in my home. I have lots of stories about that. Uh, I've became a photographer. I had like 12, 14 photo shows and a dozen books, mostly because I am gay. I was shooting male images. That's starting to change as well. I'm kind of on a revamping my life and everything coming together. Along with this, I've been doing energy work since I came to the desert, which has been about five years now, and it's dramatically changed my life. Mark Hollenstein is my my energy guy. And at some point I'll have him on, on the podcast and we'll do an interview on that. You know, over the years with my Christian background, he's, he's probably said to me 50, 75 times just for today, let this be true. Because when I started out on all this, it was like, you know, with my background, I thought everything was demons and everything was evil. And that just isn't the case. In fact, what I've discovered is a lot of the energy terminology and my Christian terminology are like, saying the same thing in different languages. For example, in the Christian world, you could say I, you know, you have a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge. Mark would say your heart chakra is developing and you're coming into your knowing. It's basically the same thing. Um, I have lots of stories. I've met tons of interesting people here. Right now, I'm uh, I still have my real estate license, which I did that in Seattle forever, and I'm I'm I've got that down here. I do a little bit of that, but primarily I want to focus on the podcast and my Airbnb business, which is in my home. I've got three uh, rooms that I rent in the house. I continue to meet amazing people and hear amazing stories and interactions, and it, it's just been a great time. And I want to share some of that. And the other thing is. You know, I was so hopeless back then, and I look back, I'm sitting out in my backyard looking at the mountains and the palm trees, and I and I think back of being in Seattle and the cold and the rain and ready to knock myself off. And, you know, I couldn't have imagined I have a life like I have right now back then. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have considered it. And, and I guess part of, not I guess, I know part of the reason I want to do that podcast is to show people that things can change and to give them hope. And so I'll talk more about it, but that's the starter of uh, what I want to do and why I want to do it.
Today, I'm going to discuss my arrival in Palm Springs in mid-2017. I bought the Palm Springs house in October of 2016 when I still lived in Seattle, and I was going to go back and forth. I was still doing real estate up there, and I thought I would eventually get my real estate license uh, down in California, and I would go back and forth and do it in both places. Well, that became a little bit cumbersome, and so I decided to just sell off my properties up there and move here, which I did, as I said, in the summer of 2017. My son, oldest son, Jim, flew from New Orleans to Seattle, and we did the dad-son truck trip, pulling my real estate car uh, behind the truck on a trailer. It was a pretty, fairly miserable trip. There was a heat wave basically on the West Coast during that time. Coming down here, we had allowed to stay overnight two nights to break up the trip. But after the first night, we're in the middle of the second day, and I, I said to Jim, why don't we just push it and do it? And so we drove over 17 hours that second day including going up the grapevine, if you know what that is. Uh, it's an extremely steep area on I-5 that goes on for hours and hours. Trucks have to turn off the air conditioning. As I said, it was in a heat wave. We turned off the air, opened the windows, and just were miserable for hours and hours. But finally, we arrived late at night. I think it was, give or take, midnight when we got here. Well, I had let some friends stay in the house before we came down, like a couple of weeks before, and little did I know, but they managed to break the air conditioning on the house. So we got here, it was 127 degrees, and I had no air in the house. There were two large air conditioners, one on each end of the house, because it's kind of a longish house. And one of them, the, on the bedroom wing, that was like dead. And the other one was just, just puffing out just a tiny bit of cold air, cool air, wasn't even really cold, uh, in the on that end of the house. So I, when I moved here, I didn't bring much furniture. I, I basically let the people that bought my properties have the furniture that was in it. And I uh, brought my art, my books, all my personal stuff and that sort of thing and a couple of pieces of furniture. So we had no furniture. So we blew up two air mattresses and put a memory phone topper on it. And that that was our bed for the night. So he was in the living room under the vent and I was in the kitchen nook under the vent. And that was our first welcome to Palm Springs. It was so late. We tried to go out and find a place to eat. Nothing was open. We finally found one bar and it was the most miserable experience ever. It was, it was comical how bad it was, but we, we got a little bite to eat and came home and managed to try to sleep that night. The following day, my doctor in Seattle called me and said, sorry to have to tell you this, but on the phone, but uh, you have cancer. So I discovered at that point that or found out at that point that I had uh, prostate cancer. Well, that hit me like a, just a wall of bricks. My son was here. Luckily, it was good to have him here. I couldn't even talk to the family because I was in such shock. And I sent a message out to all of them telling them what was going on, but saying I need a little bit of time and I'd, I'd talk in a day or two. Well, Jim was here for a couple days and then uh, he took off. As I said, I had my art. I love my art. I had my art. I was, you know, hanging some of the art in the empty house and I just stopped and I said, why am I doing this? I'm going to be dead and my kids are going to sell all this junk anyway. So, you know, I was in a really bad spot, probably one of the worst spots of my life. And I've had a few. <laughs> I, w I was really in the dumps for about five days. And then around the fifth day, I said to myself, there's such a connection between your mind and your body. This isn't helpful at all. 
And so basically I snapped out of it and I started doing some research. I went over the paperwork via email that had been sent to me and I looked at it. Now I'm not a doctor, of course, but I cancer, prostate cancer can be basically three three different types. My doctor in Seattle, the other doctor that originally I saw and he sent me to the specialist that found the prostate cancer. He said, in men, prostate cancer can be like a tortoise. It's just slow growing. It can be like a hare or it can be like a bird where it pops around and the cancer goes everywhere and that's it. And so looking at all of the paperwork and the tests from a layman's perspective, I thought this this looks like slow growing to me. I don't know why that was my gut feeling. So I did some research and then I went up to Seattle a while later. It took some time to, to schedule the appointment with the oncologist, radiologist, but uh, I finally went up there. It was, I think, a couple months later, and I had the appointment with him. And I, I had pretty much decided I wanted to go a more natural route on this, not to do what they wanted to do, which was to implant radioactive seeds in me. My urologist told the oncologist, radiologist, that I was going to have the seeds without even consulting with me or discussing anything. He just told them that's what I'm going to do, which didn't go over real well for me. This is my body and my life. So surprisingly, the the uh, oncologist receptionist called Friday and she said, oh, he's, he's having an emergency on Monday. <laughs> You're going to have to switch the appointment to Wednesday. Is that okay? Well, how do you say I'm going to have an emergency? So probably, I'm guessing he was golfing or whatever. He changed his plans and moved my appointment. So that was fine. On Monday, I ended up going to this naturopath and he looked at all my records. He agreed that it looked like it was slow growing and he put me on a regimen. So on Wednesday, I went to see the oncologist radiologist and he goes into his spiel telling me how, you know, they're going to do the radioactive seeds and blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, I'm a kind of a type A personality. I let him talk for about five minutes. And then finally I said, stop, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to do this. And I told him what I was going to do. He's basically seemed like a really good guy. He was like the head guy in the, in the department where I went. But, you know, they do what they do and they put you on these tracks and you go down the track and you see what happens. I didn't want to do that. So we, we chatted. We had, I think, like a 45-minute appointment scheduled, but after, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, we were basically done. Toward the end of that time, and as I said, he was, he was a pretty good guy. I said to him, let's switch seats. So you're in my seat. What would you do? And he said, I do what you're gonna, what you're doing, which was kind of a surprise. It was a good confirmation, but here he was putting radioactive seeds in me. But if it was himself in this situation, he wouldn't be doing that. So I found that pretty interesting. Now, a part that I left out on this is the part of how did you even think you might have a problem and why were they testing for prostate cancer in the in the first place? Well, let's backtrack to the spring before that summer. I was in Seattle. I think I've mentioned on other podcasts. I was a, a super host on a site called couchsurfing.com where I've hosted hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the world. Well, that spring, I had this guy from Canada visit me and he was into the you know alternative medicine stuff. He had some 80-something-year-old guru, old man up in Canada teaching him things. So he arrives at my house in Seattle and he says to me, after we, you know, he was there like a day or so. And then he said to me, I want to read your eyes, your teeth, and your tongue for you. <laughs> so I go, you know, I humor him. I go, okay, fine, do it. So he looks in my eyes. Now, I've had probably 10 years of psychotherapy. I've owned my own business. I've had all these, you know, tests and I've done through all kinds of stuff over my lifetime, my adult life. And uh, I know basically who I am. 
He looks in my eyes and he reads my mail. He tells me exactly who I am, how I react to stuff. I mean, he just nails it totally. Then he moves down to my teeth. I've had caps put on and uh, that did, that wasn't real helpful. So then he, he looks under my tongue and he says to me, hmm, you have something going on with your left leg. You have something going on with your heart. And there are three spots on the bottom right side of your prostate. Well, what do you do with information like that? Well, the leg part, I had been in a really bad car accident in the late 80s, and I had a blood clot in my entire leg, which ruined the valves in your vein. Uh, I had pulmonary emboli in both lungs, and I almost died. But my leg was pretty well shot. So if the weather warms up, my leg starts swelling. My left leg starts swelling. Now, he told me this in like February or March, so there's no way he could have known that because you couldn't see my leg. And uh, so he got that. The heart thing, later on I went and they discovered I have a mild heart murmur, which is a common thing and it was no big deal. But the prostate thing, next time I went in for a checkup with my doctor, I said, you know, let's run a PSA test. So he did it and it was like, hmm. Then he ran another test and then another test and everything was inconclusive. And he said, I think we should uh, send you to the urologist and do a biopsy. So they did the biopsy. The, the urologist did the biopsy. And the spots were exactly where he said where they were. Now, when I was going up to Seattle, I went to a uh, prostate cancer support group for a few meetings. And I talked to those guys. And a lot of them, you know, did what the doctors wanted them to do. And they had disastrous results in their life. I didn't want to be limp. And I didn't want to wear a diaper basically. And so I wasn't real happy and enthusiastic about going along with the plans that they wanted to do. As far as the radioactive seeds, I discovered that there are two types. There's a kind that they put in and they basically dissolve and they hopefully do their work. The other type are really, really strong and they put them in and then they take them out. Well, one of the guys in this support group had the stronger seeds and the doctor forgot, quote unquote, to take one of the seeds out and the the man died. So that's the kind of stuff you're dealing with when you don't listen to yourself and your inner voice and you're listening to the doctors who sometimes try to play God and tell you what you're doing. So not a good idea. A year later, I went up to Seattle and had another biopsy done after doing my you know, the treatment that I took, take all kinds of supplements and all this stuff and, and a mixture that tastes terrible. I take that twice a day and, and a whole bunch of stuff like that. I've stopped. I never really ate red meat that much, but red meat cut down on dairy. Sugar is bad. Egg yolks are bad. Chicken skin and turkey skin are bad for you. They, they say they feed cancers. That's what the naturopath told me. So I don't, but anyway, I went up a year later, they did the second biopsy and two of the three spots were gone and the third one was downgraded to keep an eye on it and that's where I am today Uh, the tests are going fine I'm still doing all of the stuff that I take the supplements and everything that I was taking but I feel great and uh, I'm really happy with the decision I made so I think the bottom line is listen to your inner voice not what people try to push on you these doctors sometimes they're right sometimes they're not but listen to what your own inner knowing is telling you. Have a great day, everybody. I was just thinking, you know, I really am a people person. I've been looking back through my life and uh, when I was involved in the church for so many years, well, first of all, when I was in New York, near New York City, I was studying theology at a Christian college. And a group of us weren't very happy 
with the big church that we went to. They seemed too formal and out of touch with reality. So we started our own church, and they met in our house, my ex-wife and I's house, uh, on Sunday mornings, and we called that Messiah Fellowship. Eventually, we moved to the West Coast, to the Seattle area, and I was involved. We were involved in so many church-related things. Uh, We had a Christian coffee house. We helped start a couple of churches. I was on the board and the men's minister, and we did the healing ministry, and we did the Thanksgiving feed. I ran the kitchen, and my ex-wife ran out front where all the people came in, mostly for the homeless people in the the U District down uh, in downtown Seattle. So we did that. The last church we were in, we would host just a couple of times a year, host parties uh, for the whole church at our house. And then, of course, over the, the years, all of this time, we'd have Bible studies or group things or you know something going on. When I got divorced and then finally figured out that I was gay, I was with my ex, Jeff, in Edmonds, Washington. We had a waterfront biplex there on on saltwater. At that place, we did a couple things. We, uh, two of of the units I turned into vacation rentals. So I had, for about 13 or 14 years, people coming and staying with us. I always had friends coming over because I loved sitting out. I had a giant patio facing, western facing uh, the sunset, and people would come and we'd have a glass of wine and chat, and people would walk by and we'd talk to them and sometimes invite them for a glass of wine. And the other thing I did is started a thing called the Big Gay Potluck. I had that at my house for four years, meeting once a month, and eventually... I mean, it started out with just gay guys, but then we opened it up to lesbians and whoever wanted to come. And then the next step was we invited it to everybody who wanted to come that was either gay or something, lesbian, whatever, gay friendly. You know, everybody could come. So we did that. Then I rented that place out and I moved to my new place in South Seattle where I discovered a thing called Couchsurfing.com. Couchsurfing is sort of like, if you don't know what it is, it's like Airbnb, but for free. You, you host international travelers. Well, why would you want to do that? Well, I had this wild idea. It would be really cool to either buy or build a hostel. And a good way to learn you know, about people and how all that works is to host these people in my house. So I did that. Overall, in probably a period of about three years, two years in Seattle and a little bit in Palm Springs, I hosted over 650 people for free in my house. And they were primarily, I'd say, Europeans, South Americans, and then Americans traveling around. You know, everybody thinks that's crazy. You're inviting strangers in your house. Well, if you're a couch surfer, your relative, your mom, or your friends are going to say, in regard to the host that you're staying with, oh, they're going to rape you and, you know, hurt you and blah, blah, blah. And then if you're a host, your relatives and your friends are going to say, they're going to rape you and kill you and steal your stuff. Well, I didn't have any of those problems over the years. Um, A couple $10 items were gone. A few wine glasses were broken, but I had a blast hosting all these people. And most of them were millennials. I mean, there were a few that were over 40, you know, and up, but mostly they were 20s and 30s, highly educated, well-traveled, open-minded, really fun people. I remember in Seattle, if you know the game Cards Against Humanity, well, you, you haven't really had a good time until you sat around a round table with about six people from different countries 
and you're playing this crazy game, uh, Cards Against Humanity, and they don't know what all the words are. So they're looking them up on their phone, and then they go, oh my, you know. But just had a blast with all of them. And out of all those people, maybe half a dozen were bad apples. But, you know, you got to take a few of those with the, uh, the good ones. And most of them are good ones. A couple of the last couch surfers that I had in uh, in Palm Springs, they were straight couple from Germany, and both of them were nuclear physicists. So <laughs> that's the kind of people I got. And I learned so much about other countries. And of course, now I've got, you know, friends all over the world, literally, that if I want to travel there, they want to, they want me to come and stay with them. So that's, that's been really fun. In Palm Springs, it's been a whole different people adventure. I've hosted multiple pool parties for different groups I've been involved in. And right now I'm of course an Airbnb host and I don't know, I've had a oh, hundred or 150 people probably stay here. It's been an absolute blast having them. I learned so much from them. I love hearing their stories. Sometimes I end up photographing them. They see my work and they all photograph me or, you know, I talk them into it or whatever. It's just, it's been a great experience. I'd say just being with people, hosting people, and loving people has been really one of the highlights of my life. Think about that today. There's somebody that really cares about you, because I do. Have a good day.